What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, with my two co-hosts, Vino Anazelli and Michael Nowen. We have another great show for you today. Before that, take a moment, please hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, follow us on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod. Let's just kick the show off real quick, guys. Got some news and notes from around the world. Uh, for the biggest thing right now going on, obviously, the Omicron virus or the variant to the COVID-19 virus. Uh, and the Premier League's talking about possibly a two-week break to curb issues with all the clubs that are having because there's been a lot of postponements. What are your guys' kind of takes and thoughts on that right now? I feel like you have to do it at this point. Um, too many teams are missing matches. It's a player safety issue. I mean, we it's not like we haven't done this a year ago now. So, I mean, the protocols are set in place and there's kind of a, a template for doing this at this point. But, I mean, you look at the table and you see how many teams aren't playing week in, week out. I think Spurs have what, three games in hand? That's just one of the teams in, in discussion. United missed both their games. Um, Burnley do also. They have Burnley, yeah, and Burnley as well. I was looking at the list right now, yeah. Um, it's it's getting to a point where it's kind of ridiculous that if you're going to cancel five games last weekend, you're not going to at least put it in discussion that, hey, maybe we do need this two-week hiatus. It's already busy during this winter period anyway. Give the players a break on top of that. It's to me, it just seems like kind of it's something they should be at least discussing. And the fact they're not is more worrying than anything else at this point. Yeah, I'm going to ditto everything you say there. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's no real crazy discussion about it. Um, they should take a break. You know, maybe you could debate, you know, because they have like this little time off between when the games ended yesterday for this match, past match week. They don't pick up again until the 26th. So as of today, as recording, they have six days to kind of haul everything in. But, you know, I mean, is that really enough time? Should it be extended just for player safety and to make sure that there are no more hiccups? Most likely, but it's most likely not going to happen also. Yeah, and it, it, for me, it's because I, I know the Premier League just had a vote, right? The clubs themselves took a vote and they acknowledged that they didn't want to take a break, which is which is fine. If, it, if it's a club's decision, that's one thing. But I'm starting to question why that decision even takes place when you have to look at it and go, why are these teams allowed to either keep momentum or lose momentum? You just want to continuously break up the season like this. You know what I mean? It doesn't really, it's not really adding up. It doesn't make sense. Like teams should be playing matches. Or they shouldn't be playing matches. It's just how it should be. I got you. What, so, but like with the teams, the, all the games in hand now too, how we, how do we reschedule? Are they just stuck playing midweek matches until they get back on track here at this point? That's, that's what I would assume. Cause I, I think that's what they've tip, historically done. If I'm not yeah. mistaken. So they're talking about pushing some of these matches to May. I, I mean, how? You're going to have, have a situation the the where Tot Tottenham could win yeah, if they win exactly. the next eight games in a row. Yeah, that's your other alternative. Just just <laughs> push them out as far as possible or just start kicking teams out of the other tournaments they're playing in, I guess. But <laughs> To that point, though, at the same time, that comes in the integrity of the table because obviously the whole point exactly. of the year is, you know, everyone's on the same – Yep amount of games we have the same amount of match weeks and stuff like that so it's gonna be interesting to see how they really handle it and there i feel like there really is no i guess easy solution to, to the issue yeah moving on we got some champions league news man city is now the favorites to win the champions league if i'm correct by uh the betters odds yeah who are they who do they get luckily now start to play after that sporting sporting yeah. sporting yes yeah um i mean i think they were favorites just about like the last match day of the group stage as well. I, I mean, outside of Bayern Munich, who else are you really going to pick? And, well, PSG too, but they're having issues at the moment. So I'm not like overly surprised. I don't let you guys like that's not extremely shocking news to me. I, I initially picked PSG as the my favorite to win the Champions League this year, but seeing them struggle in Ligue 1 and then seeing how Pochettino, as much as I love him from his Spurs days, can't get Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe, it almost feels like on the same page in a sense. And defensively, they seem a little bit adrift. Definitely not the favorites anymore, to say the least. Yeah. Um, Let alone City are playing. Yeah. Let alone healthy at this point because Neymar's injured again. I mean, when mm -hmm. isn't he at this point in time? But um, Ramos, too. Yeah. Team. I, I, actually, I actually slightly disagree. I think Bayern Munich are the favorites for this tournament. I know it's bookmakers' odds, and that's, you know, one thing in of itself, but they're just steamrolling everyone they come against. And they are, I think, in my opinion, the most complete out of all of the favorites in the tournament at this moment. So I, I think it's 
a little premature to be calling Man City title favorites while they're still around. But if everything goes according to plan, they're playing each other in the next round. Here's a question for you. If if Bayern win, right, Mm -hmm. and Lewandowski, he just broke Gerd Mueller's record, calendar goals in a year, Ballon d'Or, does he finally get it if they win the Champions League? Man deserves it already. What do you think? If he continues on the path, he is, yes. How do you deny him a third? Yeah. I think at this point, the only thing that can stop him is an early exit or a PSG winning the Champions League because then you have Messi, Mbappe, Neymar in the conversation. Do you see Messi getting goal at the group stage? It was just like a simple finesse. I I think I said that to you. That was ridiculous. Come on. (laughs) Come on. How the Tiago goal doesn't win is <laughs> dude. There was like a two. I think it was a bicycle kick in week three somewhere. Like, like I, we're all in agreement. Messi's, in my opinion, the greatest player to ever step foot on the field. But let's not blow him too hard here. Let's be real here. <laughs> he, he wasn't even like it hit the bar and went down. Like it was like, get yeah, fuck that. <laughs> We also have some uh, UEFA news, some pretty big news. Uh, Mike, Mike brought this to my attention or our attention. We didn't really see this myself. Um, yeah. All 10 South American nations will be joining the UEFA Nations League in 2024. So World Cup 2.0? Question yes. <laughs> like one, yeah. Like point nine, I think, because not everyone's there. But yeah, basically the same shit. They don't have CONCACAF to make it a rowdy party, but it's essentially who you'd expect in the round of 16 in a World Cup. So. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's it's an it just seems like a money grab, like everything else they do. It's just why why are you gonna break apart these? It means not isn't the World Cup essentially a nations league already? In a sense, yeah. Very like yeah. Why if we're gonna start combining different different conferences, just make the World Cup every three years if that's what you really want to do that bad. It's not like we have any say over it anyway. <laughs> well, yeah. all right. Well, Vito's already foreshadowed my next point here. Um, <laughs> according to Fat uh, Fabricio, FIFA is doing a or today publishing the results of an expanded survey. Expanded survey, really big one here. Um, <laughs> regarding the frequency of the men's and FIFA, men's and women's FIFA World Cup, they pulled a little over thirty thousand people in the entire world, and about a billion watched the World Cup final last time around. So, got a big, big pool of it. <laughs> and 63.7% of fans said they would like to see a more frequent FIFA World Cup. I'm just so, imagining wh- whoever they paid for that 30,000 was about 25 of them, maybe in India at a clickbait farm sitting there <laughs> yeah. just fill, filling out a survey or something. Um, One guy just kept refreshing the page and filling it out himself yeah. again. It's, like, it's, a, it's a bunch of bots. <laughs> yeah. Look, and actually, as of a couple hours ago, uh, Infantino, the um, he came out and said that he believes they have the majority backing for the biennial World Cup plan. So it looks like he thinks that they have enough to go through. Here's here's my thinking: just because the majority of people are are agreeing with that doesn't mean you're right. There was a time we treated people with opium because we thought that was medicine. We had cocaine in Coca Cola. Neither of these were good ideas, but people were on board. The majority does shit. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> two years. You guys think that's you can't not think that's too soon. I, Where I do you fit in qualifiers? I, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't see how they restructure it given everything with right now, COVID, everything with if assuming that even yeah. plays on beyond that point, how they fit in the Champions League, how they fit in other tournaments that teams are good or nations are going to want to be a part of if yeah. they even still exist. And yeah, so, and now they just combine the Nations League and you have the Euros and everything else. So you're basically telling me that any player living in South America or Europe, which are all of the best players in the world for the most part are not going to have more than three weeks off during the summer for the entire duration of their careers. Like, like players aren't getting injured enough and the fixture schedule isn't clogged enough already. Yeah. Theoretically they'd be playing what 70 to 80 games a year at that point. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it'd be like Pedri last year, but like everyone. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> young. He can handle it. Yeah. Until you put about like 10,000 miles on those legs and that yeah. happens by the time you're like 22. Do you think three years is a fair compromise or it should be staying at four? I, I mean, I, I just personally think it's it's literally perfect the way it is. Like, okay. I don't I, I don't see the change. It, you want to do it every three, I guess. But like, what is really that big a deal? Like how many? I guess, listen, yeah. I don't understand the billions and billions of dollars behind it for the people at the top. So granted, no one else sees it. <laughs> but 
I don't know. As a fa- as a fan, I like the way it's set up now. You got the Euros every two. You mm-hmm. have the World Cup at two years mm-hmm. after that. So it's, it's set up perfectly for and yep. for. And then you have all the other different, the Gold Cups, the Africans, uh, Nations Cup. The, it, it doesn't seem like that bad. And plus, like, no. if you're only doing qualifiers and competitive matches, when do you involve new young players? into so the like what the no. U.S. and Bosnia friendly just yeah. did was perfect, right? We got our, C, you know, our B and C guys in there, filled it out a little bit, got some more guys experience and game time. When, when are you going to play those ever again? Never. Yeah. No. It doesn't. It, it almost becomes like anything like U23, U whatever. Like if those players haven't broken in, you're almost just going to shove them into like that system and yep. hope for the best out of those tournaments to see if like you can grab the next, you know, young, young gem. So, yeah. But at that point, those tournaments lose most of their meaning. And, and then why would you even bother with them? You know, it's, you shouldn't the world cup supposed to be the most prestigious honor in soccer you know what i mean you win that for your country you win it only two of them every decade like it's that's what it's it symbolizes like the greatest players go down in history during the world cup and moving that to every two years you're talking about potentially having five different teams win in one decade that's takes a little bit of the uh the shine off the trophy i think i agree um i'd say it's debatably the most prestigious trophy you could win in any sport agreed to, to be honest yeah so given given the infrequency of it right now so i think you're it take dilutes that a lot yeah and not to mention i correct me if i'm wrong aren't they talking about expanding it to 48 teams so you're gonna have 48 teams every two years well they're, they're trying to do both at the same time that, that'd be reckless i i'm pretty sure i thought they're individual proposals <sighs> They're probably both going to get passed at this point by the sound of it. Fair. More games, right? More money, more TV money. Yeah. Uh, it's moving on, though. We got Bahalik, uh equals Ronaldo's record in Italy for the most goals scored in a calendar year since 1960 at 33. Uh, big price tag incoming. Yeah, that dude is a Serbian monster, to say the least. Absolute destroyer. He kind of reminds me, in all honesty, of, of Harry Kane in front of goal. Like I wouldn't say he's the flashiest Harry player, Kane but- last year. Well, yeah, let's let's just say that. But like an early young Harry Kane, where you get him the ball, or like even like a Lewandowski, and he's just in the right position, the right time. He just knows where to put the ball in the back of the net, and I can easily see him going to a a, a large team. He's he's been phenomenal for Fiorentina, so he deserves a shout out. Yeah, he's only what like twenty one years old at the moment. Yeah, where where, where do you think he got? Where's his best destination? Because, I mean, no disrespect to Fiorentina, but a guy in this form, to your point, Mike, is going to earn a move to a, a bigger club at some point in time. Mm. In terms of destination, I kind of get the feeling – I kind of get the feeling he would do well as given his size in the Premier League. I also think he would probably do pretty well in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. And he's like a Holland replacement if Holland leaves and goes to Real Madrid or Barca or something like that. Or maybe he is like a replacement for an aging Lacazette or an aging, um, I can't, or a, a Bamiang or one mm-hmm. of those other strikers on a team who needs a striker, like a Cavani, for instance, at Man U, right? And they want to bring someone in. So I think that's where he would like honestly be really strong if he has a, a good supporting cast around him to feed him in. So, yeah, because I mean, Holland's probably going to Real. Um, so I was thinking Barca too, but Newcastle. No, he's not going to play for. A, <laughs> he's not going to play for a relegated team. <laughs> you sure that paychecks could be quite enticing? Yeah, a lot of zeros on that bad boy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, just last... a, it's not even a zero. It's just three ellipses dots at the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pick a number, whatever What's you want. Family Guy scene where Peter Peter goes. Sir, here's a blank check. Write any amount on this and I will pay it. <laughs> yeah. The uh, last news and notes from around the world that we got. Mike's favorite team, Spurs, are out of the Europa Qual- uh, Conference League. Oh, yeah. The prestigious Europa Conference yes, the, League. The inaugural, too. I mean, you, you had a chance there. That was The, tr- the trophy was in reach. <laughs> Yeah, uh, due to due to COVID reasons, I know we kind of hit on this already, but uh, Spurs tried to do the right thing, cancel the game because half of their squad had COVID, and rescheduled the game with Renz, uh, who essentially flew to London, wanted the game to be played. Game got canceled. A couple of days went by, and UEFA said, "Hey, we don't like what you did in trying to protect player safety. 
we're going to just bounce you out of the competition. Um, and ultimately, that's what happened to Spurs. And now they are the only team in, I believe, England's history to be knocked out of the Champions League, the Europa Conference League, the Europa League, um, and probably some other league or conference that's out there that I'm not, I'm missing. But congrats to them. Yeah. Well okay. played. It was well, well done. Well done. <laughs> Moment of silence for everyone in, in Ultimate Team that bought Heng Ming Sun's road to the final card, thinking he was going to get deep into this tournament. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> Kobe Might claims another one. On that one. Yeah. But I mean, in all honesty, it's probably better long-term for Spurs given the issues they've had with COVID, the games they have piling up from the backlog we kind of mentioned. So am I happy they're out of it? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, but I like them to obviously have won it in 50-50 because I think it's more of a trophy that as long as much as it is silverware, it's still like, Almost like a joke. Audi cup a, type of thing. Yeah. I was just about to say, which would you rather prefer? The Audi, the Audi <laughs> well, cup in the summer? Honestly, the Audi cup was against Bayern Munich. So people forget that. Yeah. <laughs> They're easily forgettable. But anyway, <laughs> let me ask you, do you, do you place any of the blame at the foot of the Premier League and UEFA? Because just some extra backstory. They had until December 31st to play yeah. that game against Ren. And they had appealed to the Premier League to reschedule one or two of their games so they could play that match. And the Premier League turned it down. And then 10 days before, or 11 days before the game had to be played, UEFA just said, no, you know what, done with it. Not only that, but the game they wanted to replace it with, the Leicester game. Got canceled. They, they canceled got canceled anyway. anyway. Yeah. So they even offered to fly to France which yeah. to, to play that game. So in all honesty, I think Spurs tried to do everything they could to play, it seemed yeah. like. So I, I, I think they honestly wanted to be in the competition, but Renz just said, you know what? We don't want to even deal with that. We're yeah. just going to think we can get away with it. Rumor even has it that Daniel Levy is looking to sue the UEFA for to, financial compensation. To be yeah. honest, I, I mean, I don't blame him. They, the game got canceled for health reasons. Like it was put on yeah. back order for health reasons. And like <laughs> <laughs> the ridiculous that we're even talking about this, to be honest. But I, I mean, I can't believe I'm about to say this either. Do you think UEFA was was like, we can't fuck up this again like we did the UEFA draw? We're just going to just get rid of this and just start fresh in the, in the knockout stages. <laughs> like, we can't have more controversy here. Maybe. I, I could have played a part into it. But I think at the end of the day, UEFA thought, what's the path of least resistance? And it's yeah. just bouncing them. So. RIP. Yeah. Moving on, we'll go to our Stars and Stripes section where we check out all the standout performances from the United States men's national team players from across the globe. And uh, we also have some United States men's national team action, like we mentioned before. They had a 1-0 win against Bosnia uh, in a friendly match. Pretty much at the death, Cole Bassett, debut, debut goal, 98, or 89th minute winner. Um, basically mm-hmm. off a rebound shot, but he first react and tucked it home. What are your guys' thoughts on the match? I, I thought they played, just personally, I thought they played relatively pretty well, especially in the first half before the red card had given their – they had plenty of chances. We just couldn't convert. Yeah. Um, and I it was a good time for just the youth to get in there. For the players that they brought in, given it was a pretty he- MLS-heavy roster, I thought those players playing against like, – you could debate with, say, like a Bosnia-B-ish team, right? I thought they did took, – took, took a lot of chances. They looked good. Um, Acosta looked good. Jordan Morris looked good. Pepe had like a shot that he more or less shanked. He probably would have been offside, but still like they were, they were creating a lot of chances um, for like their forwards. And to your point, Steve, like they could have easily been up one or two, nothing by the time that red card even happened. Once the red card happened game kind of just, it felt like, you know, the U S took a little bit more control, obviously, but. I thought it was also good practice for them once the red card happened though. Cause then. Yeah. Yes, you're playing a man up, no doubt, but there's a difference between playing 11 v 11 and then playing 11 on 10. And when a team pulls like a Newcastle and just goes five across, like just straight, like the it's entire hard. time. Yeah, it's hard. So it was it was a good game, at least for the younger players and a bunch of people to make their debuts and get some experience, to your point. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, obviously the red card's going to change that game, but I, I forget which one you just said it, but when, when that red card happens, I think they did what they were supposed to be doing when they're up a man. I mean, they had so much control of the ball. It was probably the most I've seen a United States team have in a, in a very long time. It was close to like 75% or something along that line. So it was nice to see that at least they got to perform the way you expect your team to perform, regardless of who's out there when you're up a man. 
And I thought that was nice to see because sometimes it doesn't always happen, especially with a team that's like Bosnia is a good team. Yeah, no, they, they are. They just didn't have all their more debatably star players coming in. Yeah. But still. And we didn't either. I mean, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Um, kind of found this funny, though, because the day after um, a striker that wasn't in the United States lineup, given that he was playing club football uh, overseas, Jordan P. Folk drops a four bomb in uh, it was Switzerland, right? Yeah, Switzerland. Yes, young boys. Yeah. And um, it's a great, I don't know, Pepe misses a chance or two in front of net (laughs) where he could have put away. And then P folk, you know, just goes nuclear. What um, thoughts about him getting back into the uh, starting, starting lineup. He deserves it. I mean, it's it's undebatable. We're talking about him almost every single week that we're, we're on this podcast. It sounds like, or it feels like I should say. I mean, scoring in the Champions League, he just he dropped a four spot. Like, I don't, I don't care what league it is. Like, it's a four goals in a match. Like, that's impressive. Yeah, I think, I think as of right now, it's still Pepe's role to lose for the time being. Mm-hmm. But that being said, PFOC brings a whole different dimension that Pepe just he's not physically built for just yet. Maybe yeah. he'll get there in time, but given the what PFOC size, the way he's able to operate and hold the ball up, I think he should be included at least more often in the future, because if you are down a man and you do need that extra goal or something like that, and you're down a goal in like the 85th minute or something, he's a perfect guy to bring on, win a header, give you an opportunity to have your best players run off of him. So I don't see why you wouldn't have him as a plan B. Plus if you're playing three games in a seven, seven day schedule, eight day schedule, I, Pepe's not going to start all three of this guy. I, I don't see how you can't switch off one, one and then the other, mm-hmm. but we're not the coaches. So who cares? Um, <laughs> moving on, Cameron Carter-Vickers won Scottish League Cup with Celtic. Uh, Eunice Musa had a goal in the first minute for Valencia in the Copa del Rey match. Pulisic getting just more playing time over at Chelsea and looking rather relatively pretty good. Unfortunately for them, they ran into a COVID issue themselves, and he was yep. basically playing a false nine, completely out of position. So yep. maybe not his best performances as of the last game, but still getting, you know, just seeing him getting 90 minutes and getting back to full strength is awesome for the U.S., and then Scali getting an assist in some Bundesliga action. That's pretty much all I got for the most part. And then uh, Leal, uh, Tim Wea for Leal also had an assist as well. Yeah, yeah. just I think one quick shout out to uh, James Sands, who uh, won Young Player of the Year for New York City FC on the back of their title winning championship run. Um, so congratulations to him as well. Nice, nice. Um, well, you guys want to get into some re- weekly recaps of the very few games that we had this past <laughs> Oh, I'd love to. Unless the Let's Premier League cancels us, absolutely. It's Let's very possible. It. The United States men's national team already did, at least on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry one about that, guys. That one's on me. For hands up, accountability. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Uh, kicking it off, we'll go. We'll start at the top of the table right now with Manchester City. They dropped their pants on Leeds, won seven nil in the first game, uh, and then I Didn't? guess. Didn't What's they up? win seven nothing against them? Or am I imagining this earlier? Mm, this you're not imagining it. I think <laughs> Leeds is still imagining it, but you're not imagining it. <laughs> I think it was was it six one or seven one? I think Leeds scored in that one. Right? No, it was seven zero. It was seven zero. Both that's, times. That's got to oh, be the you're first saying last time. time. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, I thought you meant just this time. No, no, no. I meant like earlier this season when they played. No, Leeds got smoked by United on the opening day. Ah, yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, I that think it was, was Harrison yeah, scored was, actually a banger, yeah, was, and then and then Man U was like, "All right, go fuck yourselves," really, yeah. and then just went off after. Leeds apparently live in the pocket of an entire city at this point. So, <laughs> 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 and then uh, City also took care of Newcastle for nothing. Just a dominant week for them, top of the table, and uh, separating some points as well. Yeah, really pulling away. Um, big shout out to Joao Cancelo. That dude's playing out of his mind. Goal he scored against Newcastle, too. If you haven't watched it, check it out. Unbelievable shot. Unbelievable dummies to make the space. He's mm-hmm. he's he's debatably one of their players of the year, in all honesty. He's been oh, player. yeah. I think he is the player of the year for them at the moment. Yeah. They're ridiculous. Is that a striker? He is a new striker, actually. I don't know. <laughs> Pep's got him playing false nine right now. Honestly, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with, with what they got up there, he yeah, can absolutely. do it. <laughs> New Ronaldo. 
Um, next up, we had Liverpool uh, beat down Newcastle 3-1. Poor, bad week for Newcastle. And then uh, tied with Spurs 2-2 uh, in a very entertaining, entertaining game. Uh, Mike, what was your take with the Spurs performance? Yeah. Well, since, since – I'll get to that. But since this is a Liverpool piece, I'm going to start with Liverpool. I thought overall they played really well. They did what they were supposed to do from, like, their tactics in general. And you could tell that in the game they obviously didn't have Van Dyke and maybe, like, one Thiago and, you know, some – like, their main guys kind of in there to help control the rhythm of the game. And I think ultimately that really hurt them, especially defensively with Van Dyke being out because they kept getting countered over the top pretty hard from some of the Spurs and specifically Harry Wings balls that he was playing. Um, but overall, like, you know, Salah had a pretty quiet game um, versus Sessegnon. Mane looked good. Robertson had that. He had a red card that could have been given against him from a Harry Kane tackle. And then he got himself a red card later in that game by just kicking the shit out of Everson Royale. <laughs> um, curious to think what you guys thought if that was a red card or not. But yeah, um, so. it seemed pretty malicious. But um, And you got a goal too. But, you know, Liverpool, I think, are in a good spot in general as a team. But those drop points, especially when a City team above them is winning by the margins they're winning. Just rolling. Just steamrolling <laughs> opponents. Um, like, that's got to be a little demoralizing for them. So... Fair, fair result, point of piece. Yeah, I'd say so. Mm, yes, thought Tottenham. It's tough. I, I thought they could. I thought they should have had all three. Liverpool they or Tottenham. What, what's up? Liverpool or Tottenham? You're talking about Tottenham. I, I thought. Right. I thought, yeah, they, no, I, I, I I thought they personally deserved all three. But I mean, yes, you got to take your chance a little bit better too. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we had Chelsea. They had two draws this past week, 1-1 with Everton. A late Everton goal stomped them on that one. And then a 0-0 draw with Wolves. A lot of points dropped recently for them. Vito, what do you kind of think about their situation right now? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to say they're in a terrible position. You know, Everton and Wolves, on, you know, on paper are, are decent teams. It's They're not the easiest opponents in the Premier League. No team really is. But they're definitely having a, a crisis of character at the moment. Um They've conceded more goals over the last three or four games than they did the entire year so far, basically. And it, obviously the goals dried up, missing uh, Kai Havertz, who had, a, I think, a hamstring injury, Werner, Lukaku. It's just, you can tell there's something lacking in that front three, kind of the way it felt like when um, when Lampard was there and it was lacking at the back. It's just a, a lack of that cutting edge, that that focus at the last minute, because they're, they're dictating the tempo of play, for the most part, at least. Um, but it's just the same old Chelsea story with not putting the goals away that they need to be putting away. I know their, their goal differentials very good, but that's generally predicated on the fact that they've kept so many clean sheets over the year of, over the course of the season so far. Um, so I don't think they're, I don't think they're in a place to be necessarily panicked or worried. It's a couple games, but they do need to start turning these around immediately, or they're going to be out of the title race a lot sooner than they hope to be. I think that the game upcoming, which we'll get to the city, uh, not the city, but the Liverpool Chelsea game Mm -hmm. at the the end of this holiday window, that's going to determine if they're still in this race or not. I agree. So. Okay. Okay. Then we move on to Arsenal beat West Ham United in a massive game for European spots. They moved up to fourth place with that and then followed up with a big four, one win over Leeds. What do you guys think of uh, your North London rivals there, Michael? Well, um, Credit where credit's due. Arteta's got them playing well, man. He decided to strip Aubameyang of any sort of leadership uh, in balls. that club. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, ever since that point, you know, it seems like the Arsenal players have really responded in all honesty. And in particular, Gabriel Martinelli, he's been really, really well, playing really, really well. Uh, Tomiyasu has been playing really, really well. Um, they have a lot of momentum going forward, and it seems like as a young team, they have a lot of buy-in into the coach, the methodology, and, you know, they're playing almost, it seems, to the better the sum of their parts, um, which is mm-hmm. something you really want to see for a team that's pushing European competition, especially for what a lot of us thought in the beginning of the season above their weight. So um, it was a great win, especially the West Ham win for them. So, Yeah, it's, it, it's kind of cool to watch this happen for this Arsenal team right now because, you know, when, when teams are underperforming, especially with big egos and you hear a lot of pundits and everyone say, you know, if, if you don't want it, I'm putting the young guys in. It feels like that's exactly what this Arsenal team is, and it's proving that that point so much more. It's like if you don't want to play, if, if bombing, you're not going to show up. Ozil wasn't showing up in the past. 
You guys don't want to play. We're going to play the youth because they want to be here. And they're like full heartedly rewarding mm. Arteta right now. Smith mm. Rowe is on fire. Absolutely. Yeah. On fire. I think he has seven goals this season already. Same as Ronaldo. As a midfielder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say? I'm pretty sure it's the same as numbers Ronaldo. Yeah, probably. More than Kane. <laughs> more than Kane. More than Lukaku. More than Werner. Yeah. So it's, it's really awesome to see these young guys really pull together for Arteta because I – Everything Pep said about Arteta being a great coach, you're starting to see. Kind of reminds me of Chelsea, like with Frank Lampard, and also mm -hmm. um, Tottenham when Harry Kane, Deli Ali, where they were all starting to break out all at the same time. Yeah, um, it reminds me very similar of that of that kind of thing. I think they should just ride that wave and start just overhauling their entire program. Right, Lacazette probably pretty much he's on his way out. Yeah. At this point, it's definitely on the way out and just bring in the youth and say, screw it. Maybe a few other additions, you know, just to kind of strengthen up the squad. And, and, and like, I was, like I was saying, maybe that Valovich type person, they bring yeah. in, they spend the cash. Very possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. they should they should probably get rid of Jacques at a certain point, too. <laughs> <laughs> He's a club legend. <laughs> yeah. Not like Lord Bedner, baby. Then we, uh, moving on to West Ham. Uh, as you already mentioned, two nothing lost to Arsenal, and then they had their game against Norwich postponed. Yep. Um, tough one for them. They're dropping out of the top four uh, after that loss. Not by, I mean, game in hand, down four points. So I mean, potentially with a win, only only down one if they uh, would have taken taken care of Norwich. Um, they're up and they're kind of yo-yoing a little bit. They did this right in the beginning of the year. They were up and down. The, the results: one big win, one big loss, or mm -hmm. tough draw. Won a nice little run, got into the top four again, and then now they're kind of starting to slide a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Manager tactics at all, or do you think Moises uh, just got to figure it out with them and the players? It kind of I, – I kind of think it comes down to the manager a little bit because the same thing I feel like happened last year where they were in a good position and then they started going up and down a little bit. They had the solid start this year. They had the solid start last year in the middle of the run, and then they kind of fell off. Uh, maybe they have a little bit of a hangover of that last year and like the Europa conference, not, not the conference, like, excuse me, but the Europa league that they're playing in, um, you know, they won top of the group, but you know, there's extra, what, five, six games they had to play. Mm -hmm. yep. Plus right? their quarterfinals. They're actually facing Tottenham on a Wednesday quarterfinals of the. Um, uh, yeah. So maybe it's a run of fixture that they're running into right now. They just need to kind of break out of that and the competitions are killing them. Yeah. I, th I think it's a bit of the fatigue. I, they, I mean, they've won two games, including uh, Europa League. They've won two of their last eight only. But to my point, like, they're, they're facing tough competition. I mean, they've played Wolves, Man City, uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal. It's It's been a tough run, but I think it's a lack of quality in the depth, not necessarily the depth for them, where you have these guys like Declan Rice and Ben, ben Rama and Antonio and your starters, but I mean, you, they can only play so many so many minutes before you start having to making swaps in and out, and there's not enough quality behind them to come in and fill those gaps like you have in some of these other teams that you don't see the, the dip in form from. I'd agree. Gotcha, gotcha. Moving on, we have Man U. Both of their matches postponed this past week. Uh, Tottenham, we already mentioned, they had a 2-2 draw uh, against Liverpool, and then they had their other match postponed, right? Was it against Brighton? Yeah. It was against Leicester. Well, one Leicester. against Brighton, Leicester. but there was the one against Leicester on Thursday. But, one previously was Brighton. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any other takes on Tottenham though? From uh, from the. I mean, given the fact that they didn't play for a couple of days, and then they came in, you know, against a really hot Liverpool team. Excuse me, I'm about to sneeze. Oh my God! Would you shut up? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All good. <laughs> Meant to cut that one out. Oh, I, I have one more thought on that actually. Uh, I thought the most exciting piece from that game, and Mike, I, I think you're going to agree too, is the connection that we saw between Kane and Son in that game was the oh, best yeah. I thought it's been all year. Oh, and yeah. I think that was the brightest spark for them, regardless of the fact that they only got they – squ they squandered a good number of chances. They probably should have won that game. Yep. Take out the whole red card situation with Kane. Um, but it was so – it felt like the, the Spurs of old back when Pochettino was there, and they were just bouncing off of one another. I was looking at the XG on Twitter for that game and Spurs had, a, I think it was like a 2.6 and then Liverpool had like a 1.4, 1.5. And then the follow-up tweet was the whole two months of August and September when Nuno was in charge, Spurs only put up 2.6 in those two months combined. So the Conte effect, in my opinion, is 
you could see there's a spine of something growing uh, within that team. I was particularly, obviously, given the COVID situation, curious what they would do with the midfield. I thought in that game in particular, Delhi Winks, thought they were phenomenal, um, which is saying a lot given they've been on the peripheral of, you know, the past couple managers. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in January, what they do. But there's definitely something brewing, um, mm-hmm. you know, given the fact they have three-plus games to, uh, to make up. There's every possibility they could move up the table. So, gotcha, gotcha. Moving on, we got Wolves. They had a nil-nil draw against Chelsea and a one-nothing win against Brighton. Um, my opinion, great moves. I mean, for them, that's that's an awesome four oh, points yeah. right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Chelsea's yeah. a little weaker. They took advantage of it, getting a home draw against them, grabbing that point. Took care of Brighton with a one-nil win. All, almost, if it wasn't for an offside goal, would have beaten Chelsea actually one-nil as well. Um, Do you think it was offside? Very Striker close. made a play at the ball is my only thought. <sighs> yeah, I, I guess by if you want to go letter of the law, like just straight, like straight to the book, I guess you have to kind of you, you, you have to do that. But I don't know. Not for I'll you. take it as a Chelsea fan. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna <laughs> argue it. Uh, then we had Leicester. They had both of their matches postponed: one against Tottenham, one against Everton. Then we have Ashton Villa. They had a two. Oh, win against Norwich and a one nothing loss against Liverpool. What'd you guys uh, take against that? Actually, no, I'm sorry. They had a match postponed and then a uh, two nothing uh, yeah. win against Norwich. The Stevie G train rolls on. Yeah, yeah. The game. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, I was gonna say um, we said it last week. Like he's the right coach for the right players at the right time for them. Yeah, exactly what they needed. Yeah, I mean, they made all these fantastic signings over the last summer or two, you know, and it just for a certain for a little while, it wasn't coming together. And it was maybe one of those cases where it was too many signings for a window where everything wasn't gelling. Couldn't adjust enough time. um, Yeah, immediately do the moment. This moment Steve Gerrard walked through the door, they they were winning like every what two of three games they were playing for the most part. And it's starting to look more reminiscent of a team with that level of players on it rather than the Aston Villa of three, four years ago. So it's, I, I think it, all the credit lies with him. Yeah, I would say so, so far. They're, you know, in the past five games, looking at their form, three wins, two losses. So, you know, they're either yeah. winning, they're losing, they're getting points. Um, can't, can't complain with the results. A lot yeah. better than where they were a couple of weeks ago. And they almost napped the point off of uh, Man City too. Mm-hmm. Top of uh, not top of the table, top half of the table now too. They're up up to tenth place, so good for them. They mm-hmm. were um hovering relatively close to that relegation zone for quite a bit. Uh, then moving on to Crystal Palace, two two draw against Southampton. Actually, a very entertaining game. And then uh, their match against Watford got postponed. I've loved this team all year. To be honest with you, I their their games are fun as hell to watch. I, their midfield's great. They press like Patrick Vieira, like. There are times, or at times, they are outplayed usually by a superior competition. I'd say like Man, Man City, Man U, <laughs> Chelsea, all like those type of teams. But you get Vita. You always said Man Shitty. <laughs> uh, I mumble. But uh, now I'm all thrown off. My I just bad. like the way they play. They're really, they're really solid. They're still young. They're going to lose some games or drop some points where they probably shouldn't have, or if they had a more experienced team, they wouldn't. But all in all, they're sitting in 11th right now, I think, with a game in hand as well. So I, I think they're having a great season so far, me, just me personally. Do you think this is about where they're going to end up come the second half of the season? Because we're, we're officially almost uh, halfway through the season, one more match week. Do you For think this is things. about where you expect them to be come match week 38? I think I, had them probably, top, I think I had them top 10. I think, I think they I probably around fluctuate around like the 11 to 13 mark. So okay. in that realm, 11 is the highest point I think they get to. Yeah, they're, I, I had them as my surprise team of the year. I thought they made the right signings, right manager and everything. Didn't start off that as well as I hope, but right now it looks like they're paying off. Um, I think I had them around like 11th or 10th, I'm pretty sure. So, um, yes, I do think they are right where they should be. Moving on, Brentford, both of their matches got postponed. One against Southampton, the other one against Man U. Uh, Alvy Hone, Brighton, uh, lost to the Wolves 1-0, and then the Man U game got postponed. Mm. Um. They're in a bad stink of form. About to say, yeah, yeah. They were they were top four for quite a long time at the beginning of the season, and now they are all the way down to thirteenth. Granted, uh, two games in hand, but they uh, were overachieving at one point. Yeah, I, I mean, their last win 
in all competitions was September 22nd. Are you serious? Yeah. No, no shot. Go, go, go look. They've, I mean, they even lost to Leicester in the EFL Cup on penalties. They've been drawing nonstop. And if it hasn't been a draw, it's been a loss. They haven't won a game in like three months. It's got to take a shot to the confidence right there. Wow, you're not kidding. Yeah, and that was against that was against Swansea. Before, yeah, the last the last Premier League was right before that with Leicester. Yep. Holy crap! What would you yeah. what would you guys attribute that to? The fact that they didn't spend the Ben White cash to maybe buy a, a striker with a little bit better finishing propensity. Yeah, or I, I, do you think it's like tactics? What Graham Potter is doing? I think it's a striker situation. Um, we spoke about it before the season started, saying that that was obviously their Achilles heel from the previous year. While they had an expected goals tally that was always somewhat decent, they were just perpetually not finishing chances. And it looks like that now, too. I mean, they haven't – they scored two goals against Liverpool in a 2-2 draw at the end of October. That was a fantastic game. But outside of that, they haven't scored more than two goals since their last win in September. So they're obviously not finding the back of that enough. We've always known they're strong defensively, but – they have to put that piece forward up front to, to fix it. You think that's something they do in the January transfer window? I think it's what they should do. I, I hesitate to say that they will just because this has been a known issue for what, 18 months now at this point, and they haven't addressed it really. Um, so yes, they should be looking for a short-term solution or maybe promote a youth guy, but I don't know if they're going to, I don't think so. They're very big on bringing guys to the academy and using them. Yeah, which I, I wholeheartedly respect. Uh, moving on, Leicester, Everton was postponed, and then Everton also had a 1-1 draw against Chelsea. Don't know how they did it. Um, <laughs> completely manhandled the entire game. Then he, Chelsea even scored the opener. And then uh, Brantwaith yeah. came on maybe 45 seconds before that and then just nets a late chance. Mm. Yeah, he uh, just signed a contract extension the uh, week before too, and then comes on and scores equalizer against Chelsea. Did he really? Yeah, he just he had just signed a new a new contract. Good for him. Yeah, that's cute. <laughs> um, they're in a terrible run of form though right now. Just just yeah. throwing it out there. That, that Chelsea result was awesome for them. They also had the big win against uh, Arsenal, but then right after that, they you know uh, took an L anyway. But fourteenth, they the deserve table. the draw. Do you think they deserved a point from that? I personally, I think they did. I thought they defended very well for large portions of that game. Uh, no, I thought Chelsea deserved all three. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, no. Just be honest. Like, listen, they created I, I think I over twenty shots and stuff. I, it, they just didn't have they didn't have a Lukaku to finish or I'm not gonna say Timo Werner, but uh, Makai Havertz or just somebody just to put it away. I felt our defenders were closer off corner kicks than our attackers were going forward. Yeah, very true. So. Yes, I, I still think they deserve to win it, but, you know, good for everything. Okay. Uh, Southampton, their match against Brentford got postponed, and we already mentioned a little bit before, their 2-2 draw against Crystal Palace. Again, entertaining. Uh, James Ward-Prowse, is that the game he hit the free kicking? Yeah, it was a banger. Mm-hmm. That was an absolute, abs- abs- absolute belter. What if he, as, long as, Specialist, he's that, dude. as long as he's in that team and playing for Southampton. He keeps him up. He keeps him up. Mm-hmm. 100%, he keeps him up. I wasn't looking at this one. He's that good. More importantly, just opened up six points from between themselves at the bottom, although Burnley have games in hand. Yeah, but even so, unless – I mean, unless Watford uh, wins there as well, they, they still got a four-point gap right there. Um, yeah. I think we all picked them out of, out of the relegation candidates. We all had them staying up, I think, pretty sure, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not by much, but just, just there. Just barely squeaking it out. So, we'll, we'll see as the, uh, as the league goes on. Then we had Leeds. Um, they've had better weeks. They were outscored <laughs> eleven to one. Yeah, <laughs> any week was a better week. <laughs> I think that's a pretty fair assumption. Last time they had a better week was when they called off the season. Jeez, <laughs> like, damn, dude, yeah, that was brutal. Like I felt bad watching that Man City game against them. Like that was I mean, that was a tough watch. Listen, they play the way they play, and that and that kind of outcome is potentially expected. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like they they are like, hey, we're gonna attack. And if you beat us, hey, you might beat the crap out of us, but we're not gonna stop. And it just happened that the one time 
it uh they ran up against man city and man city was uh they, about, they remind me of like if you ever like watch boxing and you see like one of those old boxers who like doesn't know when to go down because he's been concussed so many times <laughs> <laughs> and he just, just keeps like keeps snapping eating, back eating, <laughs> he just keeps eating shots that's what they remind me of as a team the corner the corner guy has the bath salts right there so <laughs> i mean to be uh in their defense their four games in the Premier League are against the, the team at the top, the team in second, the team in third, and the team in fourth, back-to-back-to-back-to-back weeks. Like, it literally does not get much harder than that. Yeah. I'm, yeah, no, I'd say it's probably about as hard as it gets, theoretically. I mean, four-game stretch you face one through four, you probably can't get any worse than that. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would say is the scoreline is just really unflattering. You have to take into account, at this point, it's – we keep thinking they're going to get out of this rut. They're going to get out of it, and they're going to start mm-hmm. separating themselves from the bottom of the table, but they're not. So when you see a 7 nothing scoreline, a 4-1, and you lose a seven-goal differential on top of the points, mm. those goals could come very easily. Uh, I was going to say, those seven goals right now puts them at minus 18. And then Watford and Burnley, respectively, Watford minus 10, Burnley minus 7. Yeah. So that could got, be... And- and they got that matches in hand on them too. Three matches in hand for Burnley. Yeah. Yeah. Two for Watford. It very easily could be in 18th place come whenever the games get sorted out. Yeah. What at well, what point do you talk position. about moving on Beesla? I don't think they will. I think they would hold on I think to you him. have like, to. I think they'd hold on to him like Norwich held on to Fark when they got relegated <laughs> like the year ago. Uh, in all honesty, I think he means that much to the club. And I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think they ride and die with him. I agree with that statement, and I think that's probably what's going to happen. But even if, even if you were to bring in a new manager, you could bring Antonio Conte into this team, and I don't see them playing defense. Yeah, it's ingrained in that. You know what I'm saying? Like they are so in this style. Like their team is so built for him to be their manager that I don't know if switching him would do anything. You have to wait. You have to wait till the summer and revamp everything. You just bring an older team. I think well, you have go, to sign a central defender for the first part, at least. Like, if they're going to go down, they're going down guns blazing. And I think, I think Kinda they're all okay it, with though. that. You know, you I understand. Like, it. I love, it's entertaining. It's, fun, it's entertaining to watch. Like, it is amazing. Like, fuck you. This is what we do. And if it doesn't yeah, work, if yeah, it does, listen, if it doesn't work, that. it doesn't work. <laughs> like, yeah. they're like, they, it's like, it, they just came to terms with, they're like, yeah, I'm all right with this. We might, we might get our ass with, but you know what? We're going to have fun in the process. <laughs> like, I don't know what yeah. else to say. It's, it's entertaining to watch, but I don't think switching the manager will positively affect that team. I would agree. Okay. I think they got to ride with what they have for right yeah. now. From the locker room standpoint and on top of the tactics, because I don't know of another manager that would come in there and fit that team as good as he does. Granted, I think he gets to the end of January. Right but he play, They play Burnley, Newcastle, Aston Villa and West Ham, four teams they very much so can get points off of. Uh, even in the even the first week of February is is Aston Villa again. So I mean, if fortunes don't turn up by then, I think they have. I think they need to pull the trigger. They probably should, but they won't. Yeah. That's the thing. So they also have seven draws right now. That's not helping either. It's helping better than losses, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I guess better than seven nothing. Yeah, <laughs> good point. Uh, moving on, we had Watford. They had both of their games postponed this past week against Burnley and Crystal Palace. Then we move on to Burnley. They also had both of theirs against Ashton Villa and then Watford, like you just said. Newcastle, they also had a very brutal week as well. Um, 4-0 against Man City and 3-1 against Newcastle or against Liverpool. They were actually leading against Liverpool. They, they struck first. <laughs> and then uh, Jota, Salah, and Arnold were just like – Arnold's free Arnold's free kick at the end was nasty. But – um. Yeah, Liverpool turned it on pretty quickly. Yeah, that John, wow. that John Joe Shelby strike to open that matchup was a banger, absolute banger. I mean, then Arnold said, you know, anything you can do, I can do better. But there was there it's a point PG way to say it. Yeah, <laughs> was there any point during that match when you saw that first going for Newcastle? You thought Liverpool could slip this matchup right now. No. I had that feeling for like I, three. Four I had it for about like fifteen minutes when yeah, they scored. And I was yeah. like, well, nah. that didn't last. <laughs> Nah, they're atrocious defensively. <laughs> fair enough. It's fair. It just felt like, oh, we struck first. Like, we're away at, like, I don't know. Like, that's one of those performances you see sometimes in the Premier League where you're just like, 
that shouldn't have happened, but it is. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, Liverpool is just like, no, we're, we're pretty good. So, sorry. Um, Man City, 4-0 at home. Um, yeah, that's what it is. I don't did, – did they even get a uh, – they even have four shots? I don't even know if Newcastle got that. I, I don't know. Move on. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Wait for step did and forfeited it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> much rather with that one, we got postponed. Um, <laughs> last team, Norwich – uh, game against West Ham got postponed, and then they had a 2 nothing loss at home uh, to Ashton Villa. Ramsey and Watkins were the scorers for Villa. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty typical this season, it kind of felt like for Norwich. Yeah, but to put it in perspective, too, kind of to Newcastle, they have a game in hand. Um, they're not sitting as bad in 10th or in last place right now. They could be, you know, still fighting to get out of the relegation zone. I think Newcastle's in a much worse position, in all honesty, with the games that they've played. Um, Norwich still has every possibility to, to climb out, but it's it's a, a taller task each, each day. So it's a good way of putting that <laughs> taller task each day. I would say, I, I the way I have it right now, I'd probably put Newcastle in last, um, coming into the season. Norwich, maybe like up until the final couple of match weeks, maybe like two, two to go, they're eventually relegated, and then probably uh, Watford. I think they're. I think it's gonna happen early for Norwich. Do you? Yeah, I think. I think they're gonna be knocked out by like week thirty-three. Mm. Sometimes it's, uh, it's a little players. early. I'll, I'll give you thirty. I'll give you thirty-four. I think that's fair because I think eventually Leeds turn around. Eventually, start Southampton start picking up points, and then at that point, there's not much not much room for them to go. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Moving on, we have our goal prediction section where we're going to go over the upcoming match weeks and then just give our predictions and what we think they're going to be. Uh, you know, before that, though, did you update the uh, stat sheet or no? I did. It was a little difficult because we basically had three matches played all week. Um, I'm hot on your tail, Steve. 75 points for you, 70 to me, and then 67 for Michael. Mm-hmm. Granted, everyone keep in mind, we did miss two match weeks through heavy boozing. <laughs> priorities priorities alcoholism it's an issue <laughs> not again all right let's kick it off with sunday we have nine matches upon us for then hopefully they all get played uh first off liverpool versus leeds pool yep yeah i think we just skipped that one <laughs> um, wolves wolves versus watford yeah sorry Leeds fans uh i think this one's got a draw written on it and it's like a high scoring draw. High scoring for a Wolves game. All right. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah. I'd say like classic 1 0 here. I'd yeah, say that's like what I was a, feeling. By high scoring, I meant 1 1. 0 0 with one shot on target. <laughs> Still take the under. Like a WNBA game. <laughs> oh, that was mean. I love WNBA. No, you don't. No, I name, don't. W- name one team. <laughs> exactly. I, yeah. <laughs> Uh, put me down for Wolves. Uh, we got yep. Burnley, Everton. Two teams in great form. Mm. A rejuvenated and rested Burnley versus an Everton team sliding. Give me a draw. Could, could this be the team? Yeah, I was gonna say this has got this has got draw written all over it to me. So it's a Bur- Sean Dice special. I was think my gut says draw, but I'm taking Everton for this one. That is a gut decision. Yep. Uh, City Leicester. Oof. Uh, City. Yeah. No, no Vardy party to, no, this week. No reason to actually, I mean, Vardy they, could party, but I think yeah. Man City just party Party's a little harder. harder. Yeah. Yeah. They party <laughs> like hard. Project X versus like a high school dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, middle, middle school dance. Middle school, middle school, school dance. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> arms length. Arms length. Yeah. Norwich hosted Arsenal. Uh, Give me Arsenal. Arsenal. That pains to say. Yeah, Spurs hosting Palace. That's a toughie. That is a toughie. My new favorite team versus my favorite team. Um, I think given what I saw against Liverpool, that was very encouraging. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say a Spurs win here, 2-1. But uh, we'll see. Give me a draw. Uh, I am with Steve on this one. West Ham versus Southampton. West Ham's been sliding. I'm pulling a draw for this one again. A team that's better playing worse and a team that's not as good but 
seems to be on an upward tick a little bit. Let's take West Ham win, actually. I think they're right to ship. I will take a draw as well. Great, KK. Villa versus Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's been great for Stevie G versus Lampard. Oh, that's I know, sucks. I know. Uh, Chelsea. I, sh- I struggle with this one a little bit. Yeah, I, I would love to week. see Chelsea, obviously. But there was nothing I saw in that Everton game that really makes me believe they're going to be able to correct what they got wrong in that match. To my knowledge, though, Lukaku and Kai, and I think Timo are all back practicing, right? That's what I thought I read. Mm, maybe. I'm going to take a Chelsea win if that's true. I, I, I will go with it, too. I'll, yes, I'm going to go with Chelsea here. If it's not, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if Villa snuck three points. Um, last game, Sunday, Brighton versus Brentford. I actually kind of like that a lot. Yeah. Mm. I think it has a draw written all over it. I think it's a Brentford win. I was going to take Brentford win, but if Mike's doing that, I'm not, now I'm a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm going to take the rested team here. They're both arrested, actually. They're both rested there, bud. Yeah. Oh, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> that means he's taking a draw. I'm going to still go Brentford win. I'm also going to take a Brentford win as well. I think it's okay. a nice little 2-1. And then uh, last game of the match week, if it does get played, hopefully it does. Newcastle hosting Man U. Talk about Leeds getting a shit, shit uh, runner for me there. Newcastle's yeah. not too much better. No. Uh, Man U. <laughs> yeah. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, hey, Ronaldo might, might pop a hat trick in there. Any other final thoughts there, boys? For the, Yeah, uh, I have a question for you. You're, we're just about halfway through the season. At this moment in time, who's your player of the year? Is it obviously Salah? Uh, player of the year, yeah. A surprise player of the year. Kind of switched up on you a little bit. Ooh. I think Jao's got to be surprise player of the year, given what was last year to this year. He's yeah. A really good year. Uh, it's close, though. Yeah, but he's on fire this year. Yeah. I'd say either him. Smith Rowe. Mm, young player of the year. Young, 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 Smith Rowe or young uh, Gallagher. Connor Gallagher. Yeah. yeah. I, I, Actually, I, honestly, Gallagher I'd probably take for breakout player. I, I, I'd, I'd give it to Gallagher for young player of the year, breakout player, for just overall best player, Salah. And then I think I guess, the, surpri- I guess the surprise player or the improved player, either would be Cancelo or Bernardo Silva for me. Silva's been – fucking amazing to watch so do you guys think uh cancelo and silva are taking over the reins for portugal now ronaldo is now not or is he still still top dog still ronaldo no he's still his his ego would never allow that yeah yeah (laughs) i'm not saying i'm just saying on a purely talent like so like mike just said silva's been absolutely like alien status for a little bit now Yes, I, I agree with that aspect of it. But when it comes to Portugal, I mean, even the way City plays, like Bernardo's playing obviously extremely well, but I don't think he's scoring like three, like two, three goals a game. When Ronaldo's in that team, That's most fair. of their contributions are going to come from assists, I think. So when he's in that, yeah. it still makes him the main man. I think they'd yeah. be able to cope without him. But I mean, who wants to cope without Ronaldo? You know, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Until his legs stop working, put him in. Yeah, which is going to be yeah. like 20, th- 21, 32 or something like that, probably at this rate. <laughs> Yeah, and He'll then we'll be hanging in the air for like five minutes for. Yeah. What about <laughs> what about so far midway coach of the year, worst player so far or underperforming player? Curious. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. You're gonna say you say Arteta for manager. I'm gonna say Arteta. I dude, it's funny. I'm gonna say Arteta. I, that was on my mind too. Like I, it's it's tough to say because of the, like, it doesn't how matter how they was. started though at this point. The fact of the matter is. They're six points behind Chelsea in a top four spot where no one in their right mind would have even thought they were going to sniff a Champions League place. Yeah. Just, I personally was like seven, eight, maybe the best scenario, but fourth place and just hammering the teams they should be hammering. Are you going with the same thing, Steve? I'll, I'll, I'll switch it up. I'll take Vieira. Okay. I'm not going to say Arteta because if I did, I might spontaneously combust, but (laughs) (laughs) um, I I will give him a a big shout out. I still think it's 
if David Moyes can somehow find his way into a Champions League spot, if I he can pull David. off the top four, yes, I, I think it's David. Agreed, Moyes. agreed. And then, and then I guess underperforming player, my shout out, my player, the beginning of the year, Pierre Aubameyang. <laughs> underperforming, you said? Underperforming. Okay, just make sure I heard you right. <laughs> yeah, underperforming. Mm. I think by the time the season comes to an end, I'm going to be saying that about Lukaku. It's bold, I know. Given what they paid for him and what yes, exactly. Expected. Yeah. Taking in all of the factors, the goal return on the price tag, the level he was at before he came there, I think that's going to be a possibility. I'll take Harry Kane. Yeah, oh, him too. yeah, him too. Tough, Tough to be a striker, huh? Yeah. Tough business. I feel like strikers are I, because it's hard. I'd consider. I guess Salah is a striker, technically like a upfront player, but more of a winger. I feel like the natural number nines right now are not doing very good for even most of the top teams. No, Firmino's not doing that much. Lukaku isn't. Uh, City don't have a nine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to change my my preference based on you saying that. Overperformer of the year, Diego Jota. Only other player outside of Salah to have double digits in Premier League goals so far. Yeah. He's playing out of his mind. I think he's stealing that number nine spot very soon for Firmino. Oh, it's gone. Fair. It's gone. (laughs) Anything else, fellas? Make sure you like, subscribe, and give (laughs) us five or more stars. We deserve it. We're good boys. (laughs) That was a weird statement. That was, yeah, that was just questionable to say the least. (laughs) Why? I don't know. They just sounded wrong. I don't know. Good boys. Like, what are we all like? Canines, I mean, I appreciate it. it. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> it's a Christmas present. We've been good. You're Don't Jewish. You <laughs> 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 On that note, that'll do it for this episode of the Sunday Beach Screamers podcast. As Mike said, like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel because we're good boys. Um, you can also find us on Spotify, <laughs> Apple, and wherever else you get your podcast. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod. <laughs> <laughs>